Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of What in the Wellness. As always, I love to hear your feedback, suggestions for new topics, questions that you would like answered, maybe even a guest that you would like to have on, or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach me by email or message. Uh, You guys know where to do that. Now, let's get started for today's episode. In this episode, I get to talk with Ana Reyes about how your nutrition can impact your fertility. Um, I was actually interviewed on her podcast before as well, and we just have a mutual respect for each other's work and a passion for women's health. I'm so excited to interview her, and I know you guys are going to benefit from listening. She has some amazing insights and recommendations and some really great advice. So without further ado, let's get started. It's Ansley. Welcome back to another episode of What in the Wellness, a global perspective on integrative health. With me today, I am super excited, and you can probably hear me smiling. Um, I have Ana Reyes, and she has Natura Fertility Holistic Nutritional Services, and I'm super excited she's here. I actually was a guest on her podcast a few months ago, and I was so excited when she accepted my invitation to come on to this podcast for an episode interview for herself. Um, Anna is an LHNP. She received her holistic diploma from the Canadian Holistic School of Nutrition. She is licensed and a member of the Canadian Association for Integrative Nutrition, which is the leader in professional training, standards, and ethics for holistic nutritionists. Anna received her legal degree in one of the top universities in Moscow, Russia. Anna's professional background has given her an opportunity to serve women who struggle with infertility and change one life at a time. Anna can be heard on her own podcast, The Fertility Mentor, and on her YouTube channel, Natura Fertility. Anna, I'm so excited you're here. Is there anything else that our listeners should know about you? Which obviously there is, because you're awesome. So <laughs> tell us more about yourself and welcome. Hi, Ansley. I'm super excited to be on your podcast. And thank you so much for participating in two of my actual episodes on my own podcast. Um, yes, my name is Andrea Reyes, and I'm a licensed holistic and nutritional professional. I help women to become moms by boosting their uh, reproductive potential. So I am happy to really change one life at a time. That's so awesome. So about how many women do you think that have come through one of your programs so far? Oh, I had a few. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few. I know you've been very busy. (laughs) I've been busy. I can't give you the number, but... um, I think for the past month, I was working with at least 10. Wow. So it's, it's harder to calculate because some, uh, some clients are getting pregnant. So we're obviously getting in touch because I still offer uh, pregnancy support after. But um, yeah. That's so amazing. That's, that's a lot. That's one life at a time, but it's so many lives because then if they, you know, if they're conceiving, then you're actually benefiting like the mother and the, the father and the baby, right? And then siblings. So it's like, it's a bunch of lives at one time. That's so cool. Exactly. Um, so how did you get started on this? Like what was even, what made you decide to go into helping women with infertility? I mean, there's so many options when it comes to coaching mm-hmm. and nutrition and all these options. So what started you on this journey? 
Well, like with a lot of us, especially in the fertility niche, a lot of women would choose to be fertility coaches or fertility experts based on their own experience, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my own experience was the one, my daughter was the one who um, influenced me to do what I do. So when I was trying to conceive with my first daughter, I had a hard time. It took us uh, quite a lot of time to conceive, not as much as uh, most of my clients are going. I had women who were struggling with infertility for 12 to 15 years even. Oh, wow. So we were not uh, that long in our journey, but uh, I do remember every single period when I was getting that day one of my period and I was so upset and uh, frustrated that I do everything right. Like we're healthy. We're done. It crap like all the time. We're like, why? <laughs> Why's it happening? Right? So we conceived at the end and I can say that uh, we changed a little bit of our lifestyle back then, but it wasn't like something crucial. But after I delivered and that's, that kind of clicked me. I'm like, I want to do everything for my baby. I'm like, I'm a determined mom. So I wanted to find out all that's whatever I can do to help my baby to grow healthy. So that's how I started with nutrition and nutrition has been my passion for a long time. So I decided maybe that's a sign. Maybe I just need to try to do it as my career. Right. So then we also wanted to have a second baby. So when like I started my education, I obviously started to incorporate all these recommendations and the moment we decided to conceive the second one, like we didn't even try, I got pregnant right away. So, and it was the hint, okay, whatever I do, whatever I did works. So I, and I can help others because the, even back then I already had friends who were struggling with fertility. Mm -hmm. So I turned to them and I'm like, I want something. Can you help me to see if that works or not? <laughs> so my dear friend actually uh, agreed on um, like being some sort of like guinea pig for me. <laughs> but we did everything that what I did and she got pregnant five weeks after. So Oh my gosh. Right? So I knew that I was on some into something. That's how basically my journey started. Wow. That is so crazy. So that's like two babies right away. It was like your baby and then five weeks later, bam, another baby. <laughs> right? Yes. That's excellent. That's good. That's good testing. Like you have, it's a proven thing. That's amazing. Yes. Um, so that's actually, I guess that's the real question though, isn't it? Because how, how many things are out there that either claim or maybe even promise to help women with infertility and maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe they're super, super complicated or, or, you know, there's like so many different things, especially when it comes to like naturopath things. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. have a tendency to go, eh, but does it really work? Um, right. but you already have like a, like a proven system and a proven method. What makes it different? What is your special, what's your secret sauce? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so my special sources actually come always from nutrition because I'm a holistic nutritionist. Right. However, that's been said is uh, I developed my program not only based on that because I did a lot of reading and whenever you're graduated, if you, even if you're a naturopath, homeopath, you're a medical doctor, you're only specializes in certain areas, right? In order for you to understand fertility as the whole subject you have to do uh, do studies yourself. So that's what I did. So I did a lot of researches. I uh, read a lot of books and um, I incorporated everything. But the core, the magic source of my program is um, the sensitivities, the food sensitivities. And this is something that helped myself to get pregnant. This is something that helps my clients to get pregnant. 
So I can go a little bit more in details about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when you say food sensitivities, um, obviously we think of things like allergies, acne, things mm -hmm. like that. How in the world do food sensitivities play a role in infertility? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, definitely the connection with which not a lot of people think about it. But when we talk, so when we talk about food and we have sort of some sort of reaction, we're talking about either allergies or food intolerances. Mm -hmm. So with allergies, it's super easy. You will notice it right away. You're getting rash, you will have a temperature, you will probably be swollen. So there is definitely a reaction of your body which shows you, uh-uh, don't touch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. With food sensitivities, it's slightly different. So your body still reacts, it still produces uh, antigens. However, you won't notice it right away. The more um, you'll probably notice it within 48 hours, but sometimes you won't put the connection between what you ate and how you feel after. So most of the time when people like eat something and they feel bloated, like, I don't know, a couple of hours after it, they will be like, oh, that's probably the way my body is, right? So they don't put the connection that's whatever you ate it has actually has a big connection to how you feel. So now how all that <laughs> can affect your fertility. So our body is uh, like our women's body is so sensitive to anything. So even the trip to anywhere can screw up your hormonal balance. So you definitely want to make sure that um, you're being as consistent as possible. And whenever you eat something wrong, your body will react as well. And we know that. Uh, what happens is that our bodies get an inflammation. So whenever you get sick, how do you feel? Oh, gross. Like awful. Just, I mean, run down and like tired and icky and ugh. <laughs> Right? So this is a typical inflammation. Whenever you're sick, you will have a temperature, you'll feel tired, you would want to sleep and don't touch me at all, right? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly what inflammation is about. So this is the obvious one, but we can also have a silent inflammation. So this could happen because you keep eating and violating your body over and over and over again. So it's like, you know, having a scratch and keep scratching it, you know, like at certain points you'll stop feeling pain because your body will adjust to that level of pain. So this is absolutely the same with the silent inflammation. So now the, the, the way our balance work is, hormonal balance, is that if your body has some sort of inflammation, it actually impacts your, um, it's hypothalamus, pituitary glands, and um, uh, adrenal gland axis. So this is the connection between your hormonal balance and the way how it connects with your ovaries. So whenever your body is in that inflammation state, your cortisol levels, the stress hormone, rise up, and then that exactly affects that axis which I was talking about. So because our body cannot actually um, differentiate the stress, the level of stress, so everything is stressful for our body, so it will always produce that cortisol. So this basically will affect your fertility. Oof. Wow, that's so many things, but it makes so much sense. Um, okay, so is that across the board? Because I think um, I've worked with several women, and I think one of the most common things that is, it's getting more and more awareness lately, but I feel like it's been very recent. Um, I think a lot of women associate completely like inflammation and infertility with things like PCOS. So right. is PCOS like directly correlated to inflammation? Can you have inflammation and not have something like PCOS? Is this something that all women are affected by? 
How do we, how do we know? <laughs> Good question. Um, so whenever you have uh, PCOS or endometriosis, this is definitely some sort of inflammation. Um, with PCOS, none of the science actually knows how you're getting it. So it could be something that is genetically inherited or it could be something acquired based on our environment because we all know that our environment changed. So the way we live now is absolutely different the way we used to live like ages ago, right? Mm -hmm. So with inflammation, of course, anything can cause inflammation. So food would be the part of it. And that's the one uh, which I'm testing my clients. Um, our external environments will be also the way we live. And as I said, our body cannot differentiate the types of stress. So the stress from being hunted by an animal or the stress from uh, some sort of a situation at work. So our body will not differentiate these types of stress. It's still the stress and it will react absolutely the same. Wow. Whew. That's like, whew. makes you reevaluate like what you're doing because that's being hunted by an animal <laughs> and work stress. <laughs> feel like those should be two separate things. They should not be the same, but apparently right. the body says it is. So, um, <laughs> so many questions here. I'm trying to decide like which one is the most important question. Um, first of all, as a side note, you guys, um, Anna is amazing. So if you guys have listener questions that you want to submit after the show, um, and to me, I will talk to her and hopefully coax her into coming back to answer some of those and go a little bit more in depth on the topic. So, um, if you're thinking of questions right now, we don't cover them today. Just make sure to pop those questions over via email and I will hopefully bring her back. Um, <laughs> but for now, I think I, I want to ask, um, obviously you talked about food testing for, for food sensitivities. Um, is there a way that you can know if it's not maybe like a severe allergic reaction, like hives and things like that, how can people start? Obviously they can contact you, um, but how can people, uh, women specifically start understanding what food does in their bodies, like the interactions that the foods has? Well, there are three ways how to do it. Um, the hardest way and the easiest way. <laughs> so the easiest way is obviously get the food sensitivity testing. So this is the one which uh, I provide to my clients. Uh, there are two other options. And, um, and one of the options was actually something that we did with my husband before we started doing testing. So we went on the paleo diet and uh, we'll know how restrictive it is. So it's definitely not something for everyone. Uh, moreover, we did the hotter and uh, ho yeah, hotter option, which is the um, autoimmune protocol. So mm -hmm. where you literally eliminate every single um, allergen, potential allergen, and uh, leave that for around four weeks and then start reintroducing uh, foods one by one to understand how your body will react. So this is exactly what we did uh, before we start, started for our second baby. Um, this, the third option is uh, elimination or rotation diet. Similar to the paleo diet, you don't though eliminate all um, types of food. You eliminate only the main allergens, which are wheat, milk, soy, um, eggs, um, some nuts, uh, and I believe that that would be all of them. So you eliminate those ones and then you start rotating food based on the food groups. For example, if today you ate chicken, so you cannot have it for another four days. So on day four, you can start 
eating chicken again. So the same with vegetables. You had cucumber today, you cannot have it for another three days. So on the fourth day, you can have it. So that's basically rotation. So it's more of the brain <laughs> boom when it, when it comes to the uh, elimination or rotation diet. So. Okay, that's, that's really good. That's actionable. Like, you know, you can go ahead and start working. Obviously, like you said, food testing is going to be one of the easiest ways, but um, an elimination diet or something like that is, is really good. the key thing with that. I think uh, for me, when I've ever I've done one myself or worked with people and encouraged them to try it um, just because of their history and their needs um, has been to introduce one food at a time back into it. Because I think yes. a lot of people, they get tired of all of like the waiting and they start to try like maybe I don't know like an egg and a nut together and they're like oh I had a reaction I don't know which one it is I'm like it's just one at a time one at a time <laughs> yes usually you want to introduce uh in between three days so you uh, you introduce egg, eggs back so wait for the reaction as I said when you have intolerance you won't see the reaction right away so it might take a little bit of time right. but then if you felt awesome and then after day two, you start feeling bloated. Well, definitely something changed and that change you can actually relate to the food which you introduced. Wow, okay. So obviously we're talking about infertility, inflammation, cortisol, all of these things and how food impacts those. But how exactly does it impact fertility? I mean, like, isn't, isn't birth just kind of like a, like a, that's a primal thing, right? Like women are just designed to, get pregnant, carry a baby and give birth. That's a natural thing. It should just, I, I'm saying this obviously with like air quotations for those of you who can see it, obviously it's not always the case. We wouldn't have infertility coaches if this was the case. But um, I, I think especially also growing up, there's been this narrative that women are just supposed to have babies. So it's just going to happen. Um, and especially depending on how you were raised and brought up, it was very much like, mm -hmm you know, if you have sex one time um, and it's not protection, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to have a baby and you're just like, ah, and then uh, because obviously when you're a teenager, you probably aren't looking for that. Um, and then a lot of us get older into our, I don't know, anywhere from like 20s to mid 20s to maybe 30s and, and up from there. Um, and children become a thing that we would like, we would like to have added into our lives. And we realize it's not so simple. It's not that easy. And then if we encounter infertility as, as a challenge and as a struggle, um, it's like, where, where do we even start, you know, and, and why did no one tell us that it wasn't so simple? Um, but where, where does inflammation come into play with that? Like, how does that affect the seemingly, quote, natural thing <laughs> that women are supposed to be able to do? I like your example about the teenager because I just remembered that um, I was looking through the magazine when I was, I think, 14, and uh, they were saying about the girls who got pregnant, like, literally without almost, like, having any kind of intercourse. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's why, like, obviously, it scares the teenagers to, to have any kind of intercourse, right, until whatever, you're going to finish uh, university, then uh, you're going to get a job, you're more stable, then you're going to have a husband, you're in your late 30s, <laughs> and that's when you start trying, right? Right. <laughs> so, so obviously, well, the first thing is um, our society changed, right? The role of a woman changed as well. Mm -hmm. So if before, in, um, and you probably know in, um, in different tribes, women, as, long, as soon as they get fertile, they get their period, then basically they're um, the candidate to become wives, right? Nobody right now is going to give a girl when she's at the, in her 12 to get married to, <laughs> to a guy, right? That's right. 
right? <laughs> so our roles in society changed. And um, another thing, uh, women, and it's very sad that we're not really educated about our own bodies. Mm. When I tell my clients that, uh, do you do, like, do you measure your temperature? Do you check your cervical mucus? Do you know when exactly you're fertile? And everybody thinks, well, I do have LH stripes and I have, or I have an app which counts that for me. <laughs> well, guess what? They are not actually accurate. So you need to know your body. And the only way you, you will know your body by checking your temperature every single morning, because that way you can actually know where exactly you're in your cycle, mm. when uh, you will be fertile, right? It's called a fertility awareness. That is something that Catholics were, uh, were educating their women right to know exactly when uh, uh, when to have unprotected sex pretty much <laughs> right so um and this is an initial way of protection and they're saying that uh, 99 percent um, um it's accurate so it's even like more accurate than if you're going to go with the birth control which actually messes up your hormonal system speaking about <laughs> that i was like are we gonna get there because i have questions <laughs> So, and uh, yeah, speaking about the birth control, right? So it's completely messes up your system. It's, uh, uh, it messes up your uh, digestive tract as well. So mm. no wonder uh, we're going off the pill and uh, we're getting, a lot of women actually, when they got off the pill, they can't get their period mm. because it completely messes up their hormonal balance or uh, their periods will start being irregular or uh, they want to ovulate. So there's so many things which can go wrong after you're gonna get off the pill. So which nobody tells you about because it's uh, <laughs> the way our society works, right? So you wanna make sure that you don't get, because we do everything to make sure that we won't have babies. So by right. the time we want babies, that's the problem now, right? Because we did everything to protect ourselves from having it. So now we want it and our body is kinda still in that protection zone, you know? It's like, no, 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 so, we, don't want to, we don't want to do this because we've been yeah. practicing to not do this for a really long time. And then it's like, oh, wait. And then, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I just, um, this is very personal for me right now because, um, and that's kind of the reason I got into looking for people like yourself to talk to about <laughs> this topic. Because when I started doing my year-long masterclass and I started digging into women's health and the effects of birth control on digestion, um, and then like, the rabbit trail goes from there. And I was like, I was so, I was, it was like the stages of like grief or something. I was, at first I was angry. Cause I was like, why did no one exactly. tell me? Because I'd been on birth control at this point before I decided to come off birth control. I've been off for a year now, which amazing difference, by the way. And my night blindness actually, right. um, that's a whole thing. Um, but I had been on birth control for almost 11 years at that point because they put me on it so young. And no one had a conversation with me other than be careful about blood clots, um, you know, to think about the things that it was going to do to my digestive tract, to my hormones, to right. how that might impact me later. And so I was just on this birth control for 11 years because they were using it to mask PMS symptoms that I had. I had severe PMDD. I still mm -hmm. do, but it's not as often because my body's slowly starting to regulate. Um, but instead of addressing like the root cause of what that might have been, it was like, here, take this. It will help whatever is going on. And we didn't right. take it. Um, and now, like you said, now I'm approaching 31 and children would be great. And now I'm looking at all these other things and I'm like, wow, we have utterly failed women as a society because of all these issues you're addressing. Each one is a topic that could be a podcast all by itself. 
Um, exactly. And I'm sure that you've worked with women that have been on birth control and are now like, but what now? Um, is there, is, is there hope? Is there ways to help the body start to like accept that maybe babies are a thing that it can do again? Is there, <laughs> obviously there's hope you do what you do. Um, but how, what is the step forward from that when it comes to re-regulating, I guess, like these hormones and adjusting to digestive health and things like that as well? So there are a couple of ways, but I wanted just to uh, come back to your example, right, um, about the birth control. And um, when you go to the doctor, right, well, the first thing, whenever we get sick, right, even with the flu, we go to the doctor and we get antibiotics or whatever, but nobody ever, ever reads the, the consequences. So whenever we don't even know them. So the same thing, you can't get pregnant. A lot of women can't wait to see a fertility specialist to then get uh, clomids, letrozole, whatever medication, and never mm. read what you're going to get after. And then, mm. for the surprise, some women can get the um, overstimulated their ovaries, right? And then that can happen. And then they're going to have their uh, tubes blocked and then removed, right? So your whole body, and I, I don't remember, I, I think I saw that video on the YouTube where a woman is telling like all her story about fertility and what she went through specifically from the medical society. And don't get me wrong, I'm for medicine, like, uh, for med but only for the reasonable side. Whenever you cannot do things natural, with cannot you support your body from something? Yes, absolutely. That's why the medical society is for. But unfortunately, the medical society does not tell you exactly uh, what, what are the consequences, right? Or maybe you don't want to hear them as well. So in that video, the lady was showing her body before and after the fertility treatments. And she went through a couple of IVFs. And I, on IVF, uh, if you're doing the steams, that's um, when you're going through the egg retrieval, your body is so bloated, you literally look like you're pregnant. So you're abusing, like you're, your body is literally become like a science experiment. And this is the term which I hear a lot from my uh, clients. Like, I feel like I'm a science experiment because doctors try this, try that, and that's obviously messes up completely your body completely your hormonal balance. So answering your question about what can be done. <laughs> <laughs> I know, give us hope. <laughs> so I always tell uh, my clients and whenever I take a client is start charting. Mm. You need to know your body. You don't do it just because you wanna know when you ovulate. You want to do it because that way you can track how your body reacts on anything because any change which you're making is going to be, uh, it will affect your cycle, it's going to affect uh, the day you overlace and the day you're going to get your period. Because, you know, sometimes um, you know that saying your period is 26 days, but one time it got 28. Why? But you won't know that if you want to charge, because that way you will know that maybe something you, you had to travel, you had a stressful situation. So that all can affect your hormonal balance. It will all affect your temperature um, because our body has, the women's body has two stages, right? When it comes to the period. Uh, so one is the follicle stage that when we're producing our egg and getting ready for being released, ovulation, your egg is released. And then we have the uh, luteal phase that's uh, when we're supporting our pregnancy, your uterine, uh, your um, lining in the uterine start building in. And all this can be seen from your temperature because the follicular phase is a cold phase, your temperature is lower, while on the luteal phase, your temperature is higher because you have the progesterone, which is the warming hormone. So all that you can actually see. A lot of the times I have women who told me, 
I have a late strip and it shows me that I ovulated. And then I see their chart. They didn't ovulate because their temperature didn't differentiate that well. Mm. So sometimes, yes, you can see those uh, false reading or the app, which are normally built from the cycle that you need to ovulate somewhere in between, right? So you have 20 days, you're going to ovulate on the 14, you have 26, 13, right? But it does not work for, for our body because we ha we're so sensitive to anything. So our hormonal balance can be changed with anything. And with charting, you can actually understand what works and what does not work for you, right? To so saying if you want to improve your, um, to clean up your body, so obviously the first thing you want to do is to eliminate three allergens, which will be wheat, dairy, and soy. And the only way you will understand if it works for you, well, not only that you will get more energy and feel fantastic, but also the way how your chart, chart will change mm -hmm. from how it was before and how it is now. So the same with supplements. A lot of women will read tons of information online. We're going to go on different Facebook groups and going to start implementing everything. I had a lady I was talking recently and she gave me the list of 15 supplements she was taking. <gasps> I'm like, oh my God, it looks like you're taking like all that and plus taking your medications. Like how can you even track that stuff, right? But the problem is that everybody reads everything and think everything is going to work for them. No, mm. one thing at a time. You start taking prenatal, good prenatal vitamins is the must, right? So you see how your body reacts. You add something else. You say um, you want to improve your air quality, adding the coenzyme Q10. Fine. See how it's going to affect your body, right? So your child will show that. Wow. That is so cool. I love that. But I, I really appreciate you bringing um, to the attention, though, of, of our listeners that even the apps, although they could be maybe a helpful tool at some point, maybe um, depending on like how accurate it is. But again, that also even the most accurate app is only as accurate as the data that we're putting into it. And it doesn't give you those options for journaling because I actually have the clue app myself. Um, it asks you questions about like how much sleep you got and how much energy and right. things like that. But it doesn't have, it's, a, it's just a, an app. It doesn't have things like, how stressed out were you? Did you get bad news from your mom? Did you get into a fight with your best friend? Like, it doesn't ask any of those things. It doesn't say, did you eat something with wheat? Like, it doesn't have those questions. It's not that smart. So it's not going to adjust and adjust and adjust. And it doesn't have a place for, at least on the free version, maybe the premium has something um, <laughs> for a basal temperature or anything like that. Like, it's just... Um, it doesn't have that. And so it's knowing that maybe you're not actually doing anything wrong per se when it comes to what the app is telling you. Maybe the app is just not giving you the correct information and your body being more in tune with your body is going to give you the best information that you can possibly have. So um, right. there's probably some really good resources that you have on, on a blog or a YouTube page that I can attach in the show notes. Because even when you say things like check your body temperature, your, you know, your basal temperature and your, your cervical mucus and things like that. Those are not things that were ever talked about for me, not right. from preteen, you know, prepubescent all the way through. And in most of any educational literature that I've read, <laughs> unless you're digging specifically into like exactly. fertility um, or working with somebody like the vagina doctor on Instagram <laughs> or something, um, it's not talked about. It's not a thing that it's generally known. Um, and especially for women on birth control, they're like, oh, I'm going to get my period on this day. And it wasn't until I was actually coming off birth control that I learned I actually had not had a real period in 11 years because it's more of a withdrawal bleed 
because I right. didn't, if the, if the pill worked properly, I didn't actually ovulate because it was stopping this whole procedure. Right. Yes. Um, that blew my mind because I was always told that a healthy, healthy cycle would indicate a healthy female. Like we would know what was going on in our body from the charting, from the tracking, mm-hmm. from everything you're saying to do. And I had no ability to do that on birth control because it was completely pseudo. It was all chemical from the pill. Um, and so when I had my first like six months of my first year off birth control, like I was like, oh, oh, this happens down there. Oh, this is what that, like, yeah. I didn't even know what cervical like mucus was because that wasn't happening. Um, right. So I spent um, the majority of my early womanhood not even understanding what that was. So now you're talking about these things. I'm like, no, really, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like knowing uh, your body again, right? So once you're getting the off appeal, and I had um, I had a girl I was talking to not long ago, and uh, she was telling me I got off the pill and the world changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like my hormonal balance is different. I feel different. So now like uh, like I don't have that. Um, painful intercourse right because uh what's the the birth control does it dries up to your mucus so yeah that's a that's a horrible side effect they don't tell you (laughs) well yes because nobody educates right and like as you said like a lot of women don't know their bodies and uh i was reading the forum not long ago and some uh person's saying oh like i'm going to my doctor and i'm getting prepared you know like more than i would have like an intercourse with my husband because we're feeling ashamed of our own body. Like if we're wet, it's like, oh, is there something wrong down there? You know, like, because nobody decays, that's just normal. If you're wet, it's good, you're fertile. So if you're trying to, to have like protected uh, intercourse, maybe you shouldn't do it this day. <laughs> Wait a little bit, you know? So like nobody decays us why we're wet, how it works, uh, but don't have it. Yeah, yeah. So um, as do you, I'm sure you have some really good videos or blogs that I can point people to for that in the, in the show notes. Um, and so we'll attach that there. If you guys are like, what are you even talking about? That's not a thing. Or I have heard about this, but I don't know how to do it. Um, we will put some resources in there for you because I know for me, that was like something I wanted to start doing, but I didn't know how. Um, and even charting was kind of a thing. I'm like, what do I chart? How often do I chart? What things do I need to include? Um, Mm -hmm. and then of course you can always follow Anna as well because she has great information and I love her her podcast and her YouTube channel. Um, so how, if someone picks these different, like maybe they start charting and, um, you know, how are they going to know when something's working for them? Or is it going to be something that they can tell like right away? Do they need to do it for like a month? How, how do they need to wait and observe and see if something's starting to work for them? Obviously getting pregnant would be the goal, right? (laughs) That would be the ultimate. (laughs) So charging would be the one thing, right? So uh, whenever you're in your fertile zone, right, you want to all the three things to be uh, basically um, combined. So number one is uh, you would be ovulating. So you would have your temperature rising up. Um, You will have your LH strip basically showing that you're ovulating and you will have your cervical mucus of egg consistency, egg white consistency. So if all these three things <laughs> are in place, that's when basically you have the really, really good chances of getting pregnant. Awesome. Wow. Okay, cool. Okay. So um, stress, inflammation, food sensitivities, right. charting, knowing your body, and baby, right? <laughs> okay. Exactly. 
Sounds simple, right? But like, yeah, it takes a lot of work to understand your body, to know your body. And unfortunately, we as a society, we love things to be done fast. That's mm. why we have a pill, right? We have pills for everything. I wish there was a pill against for, for, uh, infertility. So that's why you'll be fertile right away and get pregnant. Unfortunately, there isn't. So even the most advanced practices like IVF does not guarantee you that you're going to get pregnant. So if you didn't know, it's only 22% from the first round, depending on obviously on your age. So wow. it's not high, right? However, a lot of people were going to go for those quick solutions because, you know, it's a pill, it's a procedure, so it must be working. But mm -hmm. nobody wants to actually take uh, control and understand their body and the way it works and what actually works for them. It's because it's work. It's, it's it change. Nobody likes changes. <laughs> it's change and it's work, but it's worth it. Um, right. I just have one quick question before we kind of move into a wrap-up for today. And that is... Um, you mentioned that this one poor woman was taking like 50 different supplements. I'm assuming also that the supplements are going to, once you are working with a client and you're looking at their nutritional needs, those are what someone needs to help improve their infertility. I'm sure that there's some like blanket foods that are generally speaking, mm -hmm. probably good for most people. But I think you even had a post the other day, maybe it was about like pineapple um, and pineapple is one of the most listed. But obviously, if you have a sensitivity to pineapple, it could be contraindicated right. for your fertility. So do you um, match your like nutritional recommendations and supplements and things to those clients' individual needs after you kind of do you do like a food journal or profile after the sensitivity testing to see what they might be lacking? Maybe like some yeah. even like trace minerals, like magnesium, things like that. So I do the bioenergetic scanning, if that's what you're asking. Yes. So I do two types of testing. One of them is the food sensitivity test. And mm -hmm. the second one is the bioenergetic test, which scans your body on the energies of different substances. That okay. would include also uh, foods that would include vitamins and minerals. So it shows me the exact profile of where you potentially might be deficient. Uh, it's not as, um, as precise as the blood test, which your doctor can order, mm -hmm. but it does show at least the idea of where the certain imbalances could be. Um, plus my own practice, right? So I, most of the time I know, uh, especially when women are going with infertility, uh, which potentially they could be deficient into, because for example, a lot of the times, uh, we're deficient in vitamin D, known fact. So, uh, if you kind of check it with your doctors, so I definitely, I, I definitely recommend to my clients to go with 1000 or 2000, um, every day with vitamin D. Um, another thing saying thyroid, uh, thyroid concerns. I had a, uh, a client who actually went through the doctor and her test showed negative because our doctors have only certain uh, ranges of um, how they assess if you have any kind of thyroid conditions. Mm -hmm. While on her charts, you can definitely see that her temperature were really low, like lower than 36 and a half in Celsius, which shows that she might, her uh, thyroid is definitely fighting something. So she was referred back and her doctor did the full panel which showed out that she does have thyroid. She was, she was just on that border between oh, having a problem and not having a problem, but actually was good because she could do something nutritionally, not having the pills instead, right? Wow, that's so cool. I'm so glad yeah. that you're able to help so many women. This is amazing. Um, okay, so if you have, um, obviously we're gonna bring you back because there's so many things to talk about on this topic that surround women's health, women's reproductive health, how that influences so many different aspects of our life and how nutrition plays a pivotal role in that. Um, 
do you have a piece of actionable advice that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Absolutely. Okay. Start charging now. Start charging now. I love it. <laughs> um, and then you gave me also a, um, I, a snap quote, which I loved because um, it's like a snapshot and a quote together. It's a snap quote. Um, and you have written, I'm assuming this is on your, your website or something. Cause it's a, it's a beautiful quote. Um, and you have under stress, our body chooses its priorities. Survival comes first and reproduction comes last. And that's a quote from you. Um, right. do you have any like yes. expounding that you'd like to do on that? Because that's, it's a beautiful quote, but it's so, um, provocative to read because you're like, wow, the, I've never thought of reproduction coming last in Absolutely. the hierarchy of what our body will do for us well it comes from uh the way we were designed right so our body is made to protect us right mm -hmm. so if you're in stress and as i said our body cannot recognize the physical stress from the internal stress so it puts your body in that stress response right in the, in the stress response what your body needs to make sure that it it can fight, <laughs> flight or flee, right? So it, it will need to protect. And the only way how it can protect and making sure that you have enough blood circulating to uh, manage your uh, vital organs. And obviously reprodu reproductive function is not a vital organ. And uh, your muscles so you can escape. Yep. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. Um, start charting, um, understand your body, get to know it and um, follow Anna uh, and look for the resources that we put in the show notes. Um, and she has some fantastic people to go and follow that I'll also add in the show notes. She has Kathy McKinnon, um, who's a wellness and life coach and her dear friend, Jennifer Robertson, who's a fertility mentor and coach and Leslie, um, is it Fiala Urbas? Yes, Urbas, yeah. Uh-huh, and she's a registered dietitian. Um, and all of those informations will be in the show notes as well for you guys to go and follow. Um, and then you can locate her at her um, her website and also her podcast, which is on Spotify and Apple and all the other podcast platforms, and also her YouTube channel, which is Natura Fertility, and that's N-A-T-U-R-A and then fertility. Um, and she's fantastic, and I can't wait to have her back soon. I hope you guys that this has been beneficial and maybe even eye-opening to things that you might not have considered. If you are struggling with infertility, I do encourage you to work with Anna. Um, and even if you are not necessarily struggling with infertility, but just considering your own women's health and hormone balance, um, that you are able to learn and take something from today to better your health overall. Um, and I just really appreciate you being here today and talking about this because this is this is for me like the access point of what integrative women's health means um, mm -hmm. because this is where it all kind of comes together and whether or not, you know, you're, you're choosing to um, pursue the path of having children, this is still the women's body. Like this is how we're designed and our health lies at this pivotal point. So thank you so much for taking this time to, share all of your wisdom well not all of your wisdom but some of it <laughs> she's keeping some obviously from the next episode um but thank you very much for being here it's been a pleasure as always and i've even learned things today which i greatly appreciate so thank you so much for having me it was my pleasure to be in your podcast thank you so thank much you and we'll look forward to having you back again soon as always you guys um, light and love to you on your wellness journey and this has been another episode of what in the wellness and we will see you next time
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today.